This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and with me we have Mr. <laughs> Gavin DeGraw. What's, What's up, up buddy? man? How you feel, buddy? You good? I'm doing good, but I miss your yeah. face. And yeah, man. <laughs> you too, bro. <laughs> we're, I mean, I can see your face as we're doing this over Zoom, but I miss seeing yeah. you in real life in the flesh. You too, man. Um, but how are you doing? You look, I mean, what I'm looking at here, for those of you that are listening, is Gavin in a nice flannel shirt, a nice almost English hat, um, sleeves. Very with, English. Dark black t-shirt. I mean, Amy would have a massive crush on you right now with how you <laughs> and you're in a you're in a fancy looking studio where are you buddy i'm just in my one of my rooms at the uh a piano room at the house oh yeah. okay can you Nothing do me a fancy favor? About it. can you do me a favor yeah i really want to learn to play i used to play the piano growing up my mom made me play piano when i was six seven and eight or i couldn't play hockey and i yeah. want to learn the song Sound of Silence on piano. Can you play it? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, it just. Uh, I, I can learn it. Um, it's a great song, man. A great song. I've been listening to the Piano Guys. Have you heard of the Piano Guys? No. The Piano Guys and the Brooklyn Duo. They're uh, they're a piano mixed with a cello, and I just I have that nice. music on kind of sometimes in the evening, and I've listened yeah. to it for like a year or so. Uh, my buddy Matt Hewitt got me onto them, and yeah. I just heard "Sound of Silence" on piano the other day, and I'm like, "Oh, that's such a beautiful song." It is a that is a, actually an amazing song. I mean, Paul Simon is is at at the top of the the top of the mountain as far as talent goes, songwriting talent goes. He's uh he's about as good as it's going to get. How would you rank beautiful your song. your pianist skills? And I said pianist. <laughs> your piano skills. One I put ten. them at the bottom of the mountain. Really? At the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Is it easy for you to learn yeah. a new song? Like if I said, let's learn this song, could you learn it pretty quick? It depends on the song. Um, it really depends on the song. If, how familiar I am with the song um, and the, the difficulty level. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the way to cheat is to just slow it way down. Yeah. And just play it as slow as possible, you know. But that's how you practice anything, you know. Yeah, everything's uh, slow, so you always start slow. So well, you, I don't know, man. I, I'm piano playing is something that I, that I love to do, um, but it's also it was never my the first thing that came to me. Singing always came to me much much easier uh, than playing uh, playing the instrument. The instrument's the thing that I, I've always worked at. Gotcha. Have you been playing a lot or writing a lot during this time? I've been writing. Um, I've been writing quite a bit, mostly starts of songs. You know, I begin a lot of music, and um, it, it's 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 a really weird uh, time to be trying to write songs because when I'm writing, I almost think that what I'm writing might not be important enough if I'm not capturing the snapshot in time that we're living in, um, or giving people some kind of hope to get out of this time but at the same time i don't really want to be reminded of this after this <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so, so that's the debate you know like do you want to document this thing how much do you want to document this thing um i, I have my own little debates my own little debates with it because i'm writing songs that do kind of capture the moment but at the same time how much do i want to be reminded of this 
have you have you felt creative and inspired during this time or have you felt like drained and lethargic and like uninspired uh, i've had both those experiences man i think i think the first couple of weeks in particular i was just in strict prepper mode just yeah, yeah. strict prepper mode you know what i mean it was like stock in the the closet with food and like outdoor gear bug out gear you know what i mean fuel in the in the four wheel drive like kind of like just that mode you know yeah. um preparing for stores to be shut down things like that um and then after that it took me a while and then i'd see a lot of people putting up content online and i just wasn't feeling inspired to do that um for for a bit of time uh and then and then i kind of then i kind of got inspired to after a while it took it took me a minute though you know it really uh it took me a, a little while to feel creative at all um first it was prepper mode then it was the the that lethargy or whatever the word is um and then i started getting more creative and but now i'm kind of riding that line between should i work today or sleep today and what day is it did i did i walk the dog yet today or was that yesterday you know what i mean they're all like blending today. it's groundhog day oh man i'm telling you man i had this really terrible mustache up until about 10 minutes ago i shaved it off for you oh thanks. i didn't want to i didn't want to upset anybody you yeah so me. that's that's I, a, it's impressive when a man dresses up for a zoom podcast <laughs> that must mean you got my bow tie man i forgot my bow tie that must mean you're bored as hell <laughs> dude so so utterly bored man and uh yeah sometimes man it's like if i had a clock i'd hear it ticking um but instead i just i can hear my dog licking his body parts instead that's the <laughs> clock it's just anywhere i go he just follows me around it sounds like the ticking of the clock that doesn't really keep even time <laughs> Oh man, I miss Buddy. I miss that guy. Um, How's Coda, man? How's your dog doing? Coda is awesome, man. I'm up in Idaho. Yeah. I'm at my house in Idaho. I spend yeah. all day outside. I'm outside from like seven thirty till five o'clock. That's um, great. I have ten and a half acres here. Our property is pretty big here, and I've just great. been doing a mass cleaning of it. Like, yeah, every, good for you. Everything. Move, building some rock walls, chainsawing down some trees, clearing brush. You name Good. it. Not easy work, man. Chainsaw work is not easy work. And if you do it, if you do it properly, yeah. it can be. If you do it wrong, yeah. Um, and I've done you a can, lot. Of you wrong. can cut your arm off, man, with a chainsaw. You better be careful, man. Uh, yeah. If you have there was a guy from my hometown who cut his own arm off with a chainsaw. What? Yeah, Damn. he had a terrible chainsaw accident. Yeah. Dude, I had a guy out careful, here the other day. We have some probably like hundred foot trees. Like there's some big pine trees out here, and I had a guy out here climb up it the other day and saw it down from the top because there was one close to the house here that's kind of dead yeah sure if a big windstorm comes in it could blow it over and watching right. the guy watching this slogan guy go up trim with the chainsaw hanging from his belt and climb this tree and, oh yeah and saw off the branches like chainsaw off the branches climb to the very top and then chunk it off and come down oh yeah man what an art no absolutely uh, absolutely they so, get that hazard pay man yeah um but you know Cody's I mean? good, man he's he's been after moose uh, yeah 
he's finding some he was munching on a deer skull the other day he's finding all he's got he's got to have wolf in him there's got to be some sort of wolf in him um, well, he looks like a wolf man yeah yeah it's been great um yeah, so yeah I've been with that but the i'm i'm doing okay with the isolation like i'm out here yeah yeah I'm about 15 minutes out of town. Um, I have one neighbor that lives a couple hundred yards away and then another neighbor that lives another couple hundred yards away. And that's all that's out here. Um, right. And so I don't, I see them when they walk their dogs a little bit, but don't see them much. We're, we're practicing social distancing, but I've right. been doing good with the isolation. Um, right. I think I'm an introvert by nature. I love having my dog. If it wasn't for my dog, I'd probably be a little more antsy with the isolation, but how are yeah. you doing in general with the isolation? Uh, I haven't been completely isolated. You know, I mean, I live downtown Nashville, and even though it's a it's a ghost town down here, uh, I live in a building, you know, an apartment building. So yeah. um, I've been, you know, I'm still taking my dog out. I mean, fortunately, I do have the company of the dog, which is great. And my dad is my next door neighbor, um, and so I'm I'm regularly with my with my dad. You know, he's in and out of my apartment my apartment i'm in and out of his apartment yeah. um so we're not completely isolated in that regard and of course i see i see neighbors in the building when i'm you know taking the dog out um of course you become a little more odd with your neighbors because you kind of don't want to share an elevator with them yeah. um you know um but it, sometimes somebody just pops in the elevator and there you go with your t-shirt not that it's going to do anything but you know it's just an instinct you know what i mean like well let me just you know, be how I'm smelling today, kind of move, put your face in your t-shirt. Um, but, you know, but fundamentally the, the interactions that you're having with people have been just, they're, they're so unnatural, you know, yeah. the, the interaction is so, it's so unnatural. Um, and th this whole thing just feels completely, for me, it just feels completely unnatural. You know, I, I'm, I'm from a social um or i play music for people you know what i mean yeah. it's like I, I grew up in bar rooms you know playing in literally in bar rooms since i was a, like a kid you know since i was like 15 i've been in bar rooms and that's my that's my day-to-day -day life you know since forever you know through high school i've uh, been playing in bars so so not being able to do do that and have that exchange is so unusual um when I play at the house, yeah, I love playing at the house, but you know, it's, it's just, uh, you're used, I'm used to playing something and then going and playing it for people because I'm proud of it. You know, Hey, check this out, right? This is cool. You want to yeah. go play it for people, but Hey, what do you think? And yeah, you yeah, want people you know. to bear witness to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so it, it's such an unnatural, it's such an unnatural moment because people by nature, we're supposed to gather and now we can't, yeah. you know? Um, so, but but you're but it's interesting because you you you're thriving in it and i think some people are thriving in it um some people just love the alone time i really do love the alone time as well but i miss at least when i do go up go out to see society i want to watch it actually function like it like it should <laughs> you know what i mean so so i'm doing okay with it i'm doing good with it you're doing you're doing yeah. okay with it we also have yeah. producer and engineer tori on with us and Tori yeah. and I were talking before, and, and T is really in one. She's struggling. How are you doing, Tori? I'm, like, really struggling with it. Uh, I'm the most extrovert possible. I don't need any alone time. Like, Brooks, I, I, <laughs> like, I, 
I get that, Gavin, you're in Nashville, like where you're from, but I could never imagine yeah. myself doing what Brooks did and just like up and leaving LA and just going to Idaho. Cause that's just like so isolating <laughs> and already an isolating time. Like I kind of want to know more Brooks. Like why did you choose to get up from LA where at least you can like look out and see people walking to go to Idaho where it is very isolating and all you could really do is like virtually talk to people, you know? Yeah. Well, one, I always wanted to spend more time here. I bought this place in 2014 and I've never spent enough time here. Come here like a week a year and it's my dream property. Um, so one, I wanted to spend more time here. Two, the place needed an overhaul. It really needed a cleaning, you know, mm. landscaping and a cleaning. It would, got overgrown. It's kind of in the bush, right? We're right on the water, but it's kind of in the bush in Idaho. And so I've really been able to man, manicure it and landscape it. And three, um, just my dog, with my dog, like uh, we have a yard and stuff in LA and we go for trail runs and stuff. But here we're just out. He's outside all day long. Um, yeah. I'm out on the water. I can fish any day. Um, mm. I have a buddy that I can go hunting with. Um, he hunts. I'm going to go and just track along with him and hunt. And um, so there's just, there's lots to do. Um, and I just, I love being up here. I've never spent enough time here. So I'm doing okay with it. And like, I, but I've always been that way. Even when I was younger, you know, when I was a young kid, I didn't need to be around friends all the time. I liked it. I had great friends, still have great friends to this day, but there's a part of me that enjoys isolation. And there's a part of me that actually gets drained when I'm around too many people. Right. I'm so Yeah, I can, I can. I can identify with 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 a lot of that stuff, man. Be honest with you. I mean, I, I I think if I was in the in the position that you were in, where there was like a country house to go to, yeah, I would be just loving it. Like right now, I'm kicking myself. We were looking at a farm last year, and I almost bought this farm, and I'm so pissed now that I did not buy this farm because I would love to be out there right now on a river at the farm, you know what I mean? And have your, yeah. everything you need, you can be completely self-sufficient. You can garden, you can hunt off the land. You, you can already have your cattle there, your chickens, et cetera. You can, you can be in an environment where you're not really quite as affected by all the things that are happening because the land itself will make you busy and it will provide, you know, if you're working with it. Yeah. And you could keep yourself busy enough in that regard where, where you, you can have a great day outside do, doing what you do with, with the property. T, what I'm are you like? So, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Corey, like what, is, what has been the hardest part for you? And actually, we have a guest coming on today that's really going to help you because this guy was in isolation, self-isolation for 260 days. So you can ask him your question. <laughs> what has been like the single hardest thing for you in this time? Um, I'm one of the really lucky ones who is continuing to work during this time, but I think mm. it's a little bit hard feeling like I'm almost in survival of just working to live and living to work mm. um, versus mm. feeling like I'm able to really be in tune with like, like my friends, my community. And also there's just like a lot of guilt that I feel and almost working because a lot of my friends are furloughed or laid off in this time because we are, I'm 25. So mm. my age group is kind of the one that's the low hanging fruit where they're just kind of like chop that one mm. off. Um, so sometimes that's like a lot of guilt and like sadness and hurt that I've had to like feel with a lot of, mm. of my other friends. 
like weirdly makes me emotional right now. Um, so like that's just like been really hard because it's like you can't really be there physically for anyone. And that's like my love language is like to really be physically there with people and hug or like, can I bring you dinner? or Can I do anything? And yeah, you can do that in your own certain way during isolation. But it's just been really sad, I think, for a little bit of my age group, just a lot of people already struggling with like their identity mm-hmm. and then being in isolation because uh, I live in L.A. and that's a lot of apartments. So everyone's just kind of living in apartments um, or they're going back to their families. And then that's always a hard adjustment to feel like you've been on your own and making a living. And then you're going back Mm -hmm. home to your family where they're like, where are you going? Like almost like a curfew again and having chores. And you're like, oh, this is it's just it's a really conflicting feeling. And I think that a lot of, again, my age groups have been kind of experiencing that where it kind of feeds a lot of like insecurity during this time rather than being like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take advantage of it. It's just, it's a lot of, you know, like a little things that really feed into how I'm feeling. And I'm such an extrovert that for me, I'm like, I'm just struggling in this time. Mm. Some people like I, you have an there's, there's things called energetic blueprints and um, some people get energized by being around people, you know, and you're, you're a person that gets fed energy by being around people. Gav, I think you too, you are as well. I think uh, mm-hmm. he certainly is. Um, I think like uh, our producer Danielle and I are probably more similar is where if we're around too many people that can drain energy from us and we'll actually get, Mm. we'll get more energy when we're by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I've had a ton of energy, um, but I will say it is nice to, it's nice when I see my neighbors walk their dog and we'll stop and have a chat or something like that. Right. Um, But yeah, I, I do miss like, as you said, Tori, the, the friendships and uh, companionships and stuff like that, where, where you do get to hug somebody and be in the same room. And um, even doing these calls, like I'd rather be in the room with you guys doing this podcast. That's one of my favorite right. things is coming into the studio in LA and ripping the right. podcast versus jumping on a, a zoom call like this. So, right. Exactly. So exactly. we have Gavin, we have a guest coming on. So Gav, you don't, you cool. probably have no idea what's going on to you. No, I do not. <laughs> so, so to help you out here, buddy, we have a guest. Uh, yeah. His, his name is Ethan Zahn and he won the third season of Survivor Africa. So cool. 2001, he won the third season of Survivor. Um, cool. And since then, his story is incredible. I mean, if you if you have followed Ethan or know Ethan, you'll know his story. But if you haven't, his story is absolutely incredible. Um, and I'll wait till he gets on to kind of try and tee it up a little bit. But um, he's to give you the synopsis, he's beat cancer twice since mm. 2001. And he's had to, in his recovery of cancer, had to do social distancing and self-isolation for up to 260 days at one point. Wow. So Unbelievable. we're going to get Ethan's story to help you, Tori, to help you, to help you, Gavin, to help all of our listeners for the people that are really struggling during this time. Um, mm. Ethan has some tips on how to thrive, how to survive. Um, he calls it his isolation survival guide. Um, how to survive it during isolation. So I can't wait to have Ethan on. This is going to be wonderful. It's going to serve our community and help help my two friends right here <laughs> on this call.
Back from break, uh, this is How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and joining us, we have him. Here he is, the man, the myth, the legend. We have Mr. Mr. Ethan Zahn on with us. Ethan, what's up, my man? Ethan. What's up? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Good, buddy. Dude, you look fresh. You look clean. You look, you look like you're thriving during this time. Um, yeah. I actually showered this week, to be honest with you. you know, so it's a momentous occasion. You guys should be honored that I actually showered this week. <laughs> Thanks for that. I've just been jumping in the lake here. I haven't even been showering. <laughs> um, but I, Ethan, like following you and reading up on you, and I appreciate you coming on. Your story is incredible. And this, this time right now probably seems like a cakewalk to you, having been through what you've been through. Um, I read your bio earlier. Most people would know you from winning Survivor in 2001, Survivor Africa. But really what's remarkable, absolutely incredible and remarkable about you and about your story is since that time, you've overcome cancer, not once, but twice. And you've had to incredible. do um, self-isolation for up to 260 days. Yeah. Yeah. So can you take us back to that? One, I just commend you. I can't imagine what it would be like. Let's even start with that. Like, what is it like when you first hear this bad news that you have cancer? Like, what is, I can't even put myself there mentally yeah. and emotionally, what that must feel like. So the world's going through a lot of adversity right now. Adversity is new to a lot of people. Like, what was that adversity like to you? It was uh, quite a life-altering moment as you can imagine i was mm. 35 years old on top of the world you know happy right. healthy young guy training for the new york city marathon like yeah in one of these times you never think it could possibly be you but i had some like really itchy skin and debilitatingly itchy to the point where i couldn't even wear clothes so i'm like all right something's going on i try to be pill cream potion lotion mm. known to man and it wasn't till like a swollen lymph node popped out of my neck and they found a six centimeter by 12 centimeter mass in my chest that I was diagnosed with a rare form of blood cancer called CD20 positive Hodgkin's lymphoma. Trust me, I never heard of it either at the time. Um, wow. But you know, at that moment, you're just like, it was such a weird time in my life because all my other friends were just starting their life. You know, like getting married right. and having good jobs and, you know, starting, you know, creating uh, and families. And for me, I had to press pause on my life. And that was really difficult for me. And, uh, you know, I went through multiple rounds of chemotherapy, radiation. I had a stem cell transplant, which was all good because the doctors thought they got the disease under control. Yeah. But then 20 months later, the cancer came back. And that, for me, was the hardest part, you know, like. People say when you go through cancer, you know, you're an inspiration. This is awesome. But like when a doctor tells you to do something, you'll die. You pretty much do it. There's really no choice. And as a patient, it's really hard to like articulate what it feels like to be seriously ill. You know, like it, right. it pays on a positive outlook. But when everyone tries multiple ways of healing you that don't work, you panic. You freak out. Like right. I, I just crave survive. I just want to die. I didn't want to die. That was what was going mm. on in my life. So it was it was literally right. about survival for you. It wasn't about like like what where's my opportunities in life what am i working on it was literally like to, i want to survive today to get to tomorrow 100 100 yeah wow. definitely oh, and uh, 
lucky for me, um, you know, I, I got on an experimental new drug, less than 200 people in the world were on this drug. And I got on this drug, it got me into remission. I said, well, it's gone a second stem cell transplant, this time using my brother, Lee, as the donor. And now I'm seven years in remission, I'm doing okay, and everything's fine. Good for you, buddy. Mm, Thank wow. you. Uh, but when we're talking about this kind of um, what's happening in the world today and this isolation, after each transplant, I was in isolation for about 120 days. That's where I got to the 260, plus my three times on Survivor and complete isolation as well. So I think I have a little bit of experience surviving you know, moments like this. And right. uh, for me, it was really a big part of this was acceptance. You know, it was the acceptance that the fact that I was in this current situation, it's going to be, it's happening to me. It's going to last for a little bit. Um, but there is a beginning, there is a middle and there's an end. Um, and so for me to accept the fact that I was sick and I was going to be going through this, I needed to get through that moment because then I could start the next phase of my life was mapping out how to stay alive. Yeah. And mm. people talk about what's going on in the world today, you know, we're in a pandemic, it's a global catastrophe, you know, the legacy of where this pandemic is going to be with us for, for years. And like the first step to any change you really can't control is acceptance. And yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but with all this uncertainty in the world, the uncertainty breeds anxiety and the anxiety causes us to make some maybe destructive decisions right now. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I think the people that really struggle with it are the ones that haven't accepted it, mm. that hey, life has changed. And it's changed for a while here. Like there's discussions. Uh, it's April 21st as we record this. Um, there's discussions that it's going to be beginning of June possibly before, before most of the U.S. is is opened up again. So we're looking at still another seven weeks. You know. So if you can't accept that, you're fighting for something that has already passed and that you can't possibly change. And that's debilitating. I think for a lot of people. And so the people that have accepted it have found opportunity and have found ways to thrive in this. Definitely. But kudos to you. I mean, I think it's interesting to, to acknowledge that even when they do say, okay, you know, the country's open, Canada's open, the world is open. Like, it's not like you just snap back into the life that once was like, I'll give it an example just because we're talking about cancer. But once they said, okay, Ethan, you're in remission, go home from the hospital. It wasn't like I could just snap back into fitness. Like I was different. My friends were different. The way I interacted with the world was different. I was still living an right. isolated lifestyle. So even after it's okay, the world is going to be different in the way we move as humans and interact as people is going to be different. And so I think like the denial of this acceptance, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can only reimagine yourself in a, in a different reality if you can accept mm -hmm. what's going on right now. And um, I think it's important to know. Can you talk a little bit about, you said twice you went into isolation for yeah. 120 days. Yeah. Um, can you talk about how isolated you were what was your atmosphere your scenario where were you staying at the time what was your human contact like can you give us those kind of conditions um so we can have more of an understanding of what you've went through sure so the first part of the process was the stem cell transplant that's when i was in a, like a hypersterile bubble inside the hospital for about 35 days Wow. And that's when they kind of, it's like pressing reset on your, on your body. You know, they remove all the white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets. They bring you down to zero, get you close to death. Then they reinfuse you with healthy stem cells that were supposed to kind of, um, you know, into your bone marrow and those reproduce as healthy stem cells to kind of kill the cancers in your body. So after wow. each one of those, you're so immunocompromised that you really can't be 
in crowded places, no public restaurants, no stadiums, no subways, no taxis, no restaurants, no large groups. I'm in a mask and a glove all times outside of my own, uh, outside of the hospital room. And then when I got launched to go back to my home, same situation, a little less intense, but no fresh vegetables because they have germs. Yeah. You know, everyone had to wash their hands and wear masks and gloves when they're coming inside the house to visit with me. Cleaning is wow. very stringent. So it's just like a really, and then once those hundred days were open, then it was years of living a socially isolated life because I just couldn't be in those situations. No travel, you know, none mm. of that. You know, again, back into the stadiums, no stadiums and large groups. So it was just an interesting way to, you had to change your lifestyle in a major way. Mm. Um, and it took a little bit while to adapt to that and accept that. And um, I feel I learned a lot on how to, survive these isolated situations in the term of like how to structure a day, how to work out in small spaces, you know, how to communicate mm -hmm. with friends uh, and family when you can't physically be in touch with them. So all those skills I feel like learned while I was going through this and can be applied to what's going on today in today's world. So right. yeah, let's, let's keep going with that. Cause I want the, sure. the point of doing this podcast is to try and serve our community, serve our listeners. And you've developed through these two times, you've developed what you call your isolation survival guide. Yeah. So for our listeners, like one, I'm wondering during that time, because I think the first thing and most important thing is, is like you're a person's spirit and how, how does that, how are they doing psychologically, mm. you know, mentally and emotionally? How are you doing? How is your spirit? Um, here I, I'm reading about you. You said you never lose optimism, spirit or humor despite <laughs> extraordinary rigors and setbacks. So can you, Explain how you did that and explain the importance of that. And then we'll get into more of your isolation survival guide. Yeah. How do I remain you know, positive in those yeah. moments? Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I talk about often is I firmly believe that even in the middle of my own nightmare, my own crisis, you know, trying to help others in that moment uh, really helped me heal as a human being. And, mm. you know, I, I live by the, the saying these days, you know, never let a crisis go to waste because it's an opportunity to do some really important things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of cliche, but I, I, it, it resonated with me. And so here I was, and, you know, all of us here are in the public eye. We, we know what that's like. So I really felt there was an opportunity to share my story, to let people know the details of my life because maybe that can help them. And while I tried to like rewrite my story and survive in this situation, in that same moment, I was helping others rewrite theirs. And so right. I found a sense and purpose in my own crisis and sickness because I knew that I was using that to help other people get them diagnosed earlier, help them manage their cancer care or give a speech or an interview or anything that I could do in my power yeah. to share my story to help other people. And for me, that kept me a little bit uplifted it helped the give a positive environment in, in where I was yeah I love that I have actually uh, one of my best friends has dealt with depression and anxiety for years and he really has been motivated to do something to serve with that because he's been through it he wants to serve and help others he doesn't want anybody to go through what he's gone through and he's learned some things that have helped him ease his depression and anxiety and I was talking to him and I was like the fact that you've been through this, that's your superpower. Mm. You know, like people, people, when they go through something, they, they might feel it's a negative or, or it's a crisis or something, but that experience that you have of going through something traumatic actually becomes a superpower when you use it, when you use that uniqueness to serve others, you know, mm. 
And so I love that you did that. And that in turn served you. That brought you energy in life and served you and helped you get back on your feet. So then you develop this isolation survival guide. You need to teach my buddy Gav there because he's (laughs) he's kind of a city slicker. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But can you tell us more about the isolation survival guide and share share it with our listeners so they can take some of this and put it into – action in their life sure yeah i mean this these are you know i'm not going to say this is a scientifically proven information but this is literally the things that i did you know i kind of look back at my time going through cancer and after cancer my time on survivor the 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 television show and just kind of kind of wrote down what i felt was the most helpful skills that i used in isolation to get me through the the dark moments and those are you know a couple things i just spoke about acceptance um, you know, service over self, you know, helping others in the middle of your own crisis. You know, one of the things that was really helpful for me is like, you mentioned your buddy who's got anxiety. When I, the second time after cancer, I struggled significantly with anxiety and just the, the fear of relapse, the uncertainty, the invisible scars that needed healing. It's just, and I, what happened was I got just totally obsessed with these what if scenarios, like what if the cancer comes back? What if I die? What if I can't have kids? What if I can't get married? What if I can't find a job? Like, and then I just started ruminating all the, on these horrible what if scenarios. Mm. My entire day was taken up with processing situations that may or may not happen in my life. And I was just stuck. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so what I, a skill that, you know, especially now with people like, we don't know how long this thing's going to last. Like you, it's very difficult to plan your life when you don't know how long this pandemic is going to last or what the ripple effect is going to be. So I think, you mm-hmm. know, in a world where as humans, we like to control things, we got the Netflix, your deliveries, your schools are in the schedule, you got your yoga instructor, everything's structured and planned. And now it's not right. And so all this kind of uncertainty breeds anxiety. And so you get I started ruminating on these what if scenarios. So basically what I learned to do is I basically would take a what if scenario and let's role play here. What if I get the virus, a horrible situation? Uh, Let your mind go there. Like go deep into like what would happen if I got the virus? It's a little bit scary. And if you go too deep, you know, snap yourself out of it. But once you go there and you let yourself uh, kind of understand what that would be like. The next step would be to take a piece of paper. I wrote down the what if scenario, and then I literally mapped out a plan of exactly what I would do if that what if scenario happened. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to go to the doctor, get tested. I'd have to isolate from my wife. I would call my mom, X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden, next time I started ruminating on that scary thought, I said, I already wrote it down. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I planned it out, yeah. refer to this thing. And then I can move on with my day and I can let it go. And sometimes yeah. I'd reference this two, three, four, five, six times a day. I have boxes full of like post-it notes and what if scenarios that I'm like looking through in, in scary situations in my life. But for me, it really helped to <clears throat> map out the plan of action. Mm. And that's really just what you're doing. And that got right. me out of the anxiety and under the, out of those loops in my head. Yeah. So bringing a voice to it. And by a voice, he wrote it on paper, but bringing a voice to it sort of lessened the fear of this thing that was in your mind and like psychologically weighing on you and causing you anxiety and consuming you almost to a debilitating debilitating point. Exactly. 
You know, okay. you, could, you could go out, uh, you know, you could go out tomorrow and get hit by a car. But if you spend every second of every day thinking about the idea that you might get hit by a car, you, you miss the whole day. And I was just sick of losing days. And right. I, that's, and I just, I couldn't do deal with it anymore. And uh, emotionally it was affecting me. I was having issues with my friends and family, my wife, and I just had to get out of it. And that's one of the skills that I did to get out of those situations. Wow. Okay, great. So what if scenarios <laughs> plan out your, it's almost like an escape plan. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Escape from it. Um, you've talked about service over self. Um, focusing on the plight of others helps you heal. So um, what ways do you think people could do that now? What, what ways were you able to do it when you were self-isolating in your recovery from the cancer treatments? What ways do you think people can do that now if they're struggling to find service for others in their life right now? I mean, the first and easiest thing to do is like stay at home, you know, if stay isolated in the sense that, I mean, when I was sick, you know, I see these empty streets, these closed stores, the school's not in session. And I'm like, this to me is beautiful. This is an act of love. This is the world coming together to protect the vulnerable people and the health workers. Like, so for me, I see that as a blessing. I would have loved to have no one on the streets when I was sick and be able to walk and function without the fear of getting sick. Yeah. But so that's a really simple thing to do and stay home, but you don't have to do something huge. You don't have to start a charity. You don't have to do anything grand, but it could be something as simple as, you know, calling your grandmother. It could be sewing masks. It could be helping someone else in a time of need. Like nothing creates comfort and confidence more than knowing you're not facing a life challenge alone. And I think one interesting thing about what's going on now versus cancer, when you go through cancer, it's a really individual thing. No one will know what that experience is like unless you go through it. And it's different for each person right now. We're all going through the same thing at the same exact time. So when you feel alone, devastatingly alone, you can reach out to someone that's going through the same thing and you can connect and you can talk and kind of help each other through these tough moments. And so service over self or being part of the community, those two things kind of go hand in hand. And, um, you know, those are some, some ideas, call a friend, <laughs> drop off balloons at a hospital, send food to some people, make some masks. There are so many wonderful and incredible things that people can do right now to make a valuable contribution to the community. You know what I've been doing? Tell me. I've not shaving? Not shaving, but then also <laughs> filming myself doing my favorite Gavin DeGraw songs. I've been covering, <laughs> I've been covering Gavin's songs and sending them to Gavin. Just, <laughs> can, you, can you share an example with me right now, please? <laughs> I sang one of his songs one time on our show. It was like our fourth or fifth show, and he didn't even know what it was. <laughs> he was like, am I that bad? I, you don't even recognize your own song. <laughs> it was that bad. Yeah. Really? It wasn't. Ah. Uh, um, what else? <laughs> I love that. I love um, like Gavis taking care of his dad. Um, out here where I'm at my lake house in Idaho, here I have a couple neighbors that are in their 70s that I've been getting stuff from Costco from or for them and stuff like that. Um, and it does, man. It, it's so true. It brings you life. Just Simple, and it can be so small. It can be something very small, but it is so rewarding to help somebody, um, especially at any time, but especially in a time when they need it. Mm. When you can actually see that, like Gav, I can't imagine what it's like right now. Like your dad has some underlying health issues and being able to take care of your dad, like it's got to be just a, a joy. You know, it's kind of scary, but it's got to be also just, yeah. a, you know, 
It, it is. It's an honor, but it's also, you know, it, it, it's funny because my dad's 71. He's, you know, he had, he had heart surgery and had some strokes and stuff like that. But even with all this stuff going on right now, um, uh, even, even with the, the things that are going on right, right now with him, um, he, he wants to get out into the world. You know what I mean? And, you know, it, you know, granted, he knows that there's, that there's, you know, a health risk, but part of my father's perspective is that this isn't really living. There's a big debate. There's protests about that right now. Yeah. And, 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 and for good reason, because, you know, a lot of people who are, who are older, they want to be able to go see their friends, see their family, hang out, get back to their life too. And, you know, if you do have underlying health risks, there's also no, there's no guarantee you're not going to get the flu. There's no guarantee you're not going to have a heart attack. And in that time where you were told to stay home, that was time that you could have been out kind of enjoying whatever time you have to go hang with your friends or your family or do the things that you love. Because <clears throat> I know we're all trying to make plans to predict, um, uh, not pr predict, but to avoid certain health problems. But you can make all the plans you want and still suffer those same problems or some other problems in the interim and feel like, well, damn, that was like, I could have had a good month at least, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, so there, there is a debate about that stuff. And I do actually agree with, with what Ethan said. I, I do think, and, and, and also what you're saying, Brooks, in that it is an act of love on behalf of people who are healthy to stay in. They're trying to do what they can, right? We're all trying to do what we can. Um, at the same time, at the same time, what will the, what will the long-term, potentially long-term effects of this short-term procedure that we're, that we're committing ourselves to, what will those effects be? Because I can tell you, tell you very quite candidly on an economic, uh, economic level that poor countries are less safe. So and on every level. So what, you know, if we are to destroy our economy in the process of, of avoiding what, what is happening or minimizing the, 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 the immediate health, health crisis, we may, we may, I'm not saying we will, but depending upon how much longer this keeps up, we may create a much larger health crisis based on an economy that's tanked and, and something that you're then balancing whatever virus comes next year because we're broke. And what are you going to do next year? So, um, you, you know, and would you do or, this every, or are you going to do this every year? You know, where people get wiped out every year. I mean, at the end of the day, there really is only so much money. That's a fact. <laughs> and, 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 and even guys like me and guys like you can run out of money if the economy is whacked out enough. Um, and that's, and, 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 and that's people who have done very well for themselves. What about, what, what about the people that I'll, I'll tell you, there's probably not a, not a hotel or a restaurant in the whole country that doesn't employ ex cons. Right. So when you close every restaurant and every hotel down, all these guys who just got out of jail, who've been out of jail, trying to get their lives together, you shut the door on them or in the living. Yeah. You, you think you think a bunch of guys who just got out of prison got a pantry full of stocks food just in case they lose their job and saving it for a rainy day? 
they're already they're already trying to to just survive day to day. You just shut we just shut the doors on all of their their way of well being. We're say we're saving some people, but what are we doing to those guys too? I mean, there's a lot of devil's advocacy I could I could throw at this this convo, and they're all important. They're all important, um, you know. So, what kind of maybe crimes might somebody commit to go? Well, I'm out of food. I tried to go on the straight and narrow. Now I don't have I don't have anything to eat for the next who knows when. I don't have a government check coming in because I'm making a living. And when when does that come through for a guy like that? And what's going to happen? Well, somebody's going to be breaking into somebody's home, so or somebody's business. You know, we got robbed twice in the first week of this shutdown. You did. So yeah, the bar. So yeah, so. Oh, we got broken into two times within, you know, within like three days, wow. you know? So, yeah. so that's just the, what's, what, what can happen or what is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's just only one little window into, into my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there's much, people way worse off than me. Um, and so that's what I really worry about is, is, is that next phase. I think that's the thing that's really worrying me is, if we don't get people to start getting back to some form of 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 work and regularity and get the economy moving, I think that the virus will be the least of our problems. I really do. Oh, um, and and I and I don't want to find out what that is. I feel like we're poking at a bear right now. Right. That was yeah. a hell of a monologue right there, Gal. Yeah. Sorry, man. No, no, because I think it's totally valid what both of you guys are saying. I, I, yeah. I really think it's, it's, yeah. it's all really valuable. My it gets fear back. is this other unknown. You know, the there's unknown. already drugs that work. There's already drugs that are working on the with people who have the coronavirus, and you know, and you know, we're we're being told almost to act like those things don't exist, but they already do. There's they're already operating at like efficacy in the 90th percentile or even higher so you know we're acting like they like they don't not we are it's not that we are but some people are and i'm like well there there is a solution for this stuff sure we are protecting the first responders 100 percent agreed um and the people who are vulnerable agreed um but we really need do need this plan to get things up and running because this is just so unnatural. It truly is so unnatural, you know, and it's, it's scary in that regard. Yeah. You're not going to be able to go to a concert ever again. Can't go to a basketball game ever again. Well, it's Can't gonna... go watch a high school basketball game. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, can't go to a little league game, sit on the bleachers. You know what I mean? Ethan, does this sound it's like crazy. a guy who is struggling with acceptance? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not struggling with acceptance. I'm cool with it. In fact, I'm almost a little too cool with it because <laughs> I am a gambler at life. So, you know, I, I believe in, in, in lots of different levels of Darwinism. Um, a lot of people don't believe in it this, to the same degree that I, that I do. But I am a humanitarian. I only say this because there's ways to help people who do get sick. We have, you know, it's not like there is no version of getting better that's my point and um 
I'm not saying let the weak fall by the wayside. That's not what I'm saying either. There are treatments already. So um, I'm saying we need to get our ass moving on getting the economy up and running because this virus will kill less people than a broke ass economy where people are starving or desperate. Desperation is scary. Okay, before we get there, though, we want to help people that are like, we're going to be in this for a while. So back to the yeah. isolation survival guide. Um, yeah. Uh, the next one you have, Ethan, is check it off the list. The, the, are you a list guy? Like it says, make a list, check it off. Um, tell us about how that can help people while they're isolated now. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a list guy. And I wasn't always a list guy. But when you're locked in a, uh, you know, one room for an extended period of time or my 640 square foot apartment and you can't leave for months, you got to figure out how you can be, you know, I felt very unproductive and I had imagined some folks mm. today might be feeling a little just blah, unproductive. Maybe you got an extra, Absolutely. you know, need to work anymore. You got an extra two hours to do stuff and you just, you know, might not be able to structure a day. And for me, when I was down and out, like the thought of all the things I wanted to accomplish necessarily wasn't able to. Um, you know, working out and, uh, you know, calling my friends and doing all the normal stuff. It was overwhelming. And I didn't necessarily want to sit down and work out for an hour. So I would split that up into like, you know, six, five minute sessions along the lines. But basically what I do is I wake right. up a day and I literally, it kind of goes back a little bit to this what if scenario, but I map out a plan for my day. And it seems pretty commonplace but i would literally map it out by the minute you know wake up do my emails you know, do 10 minutes of uh, body weight exercises call my mom check in with my girlfriend everything you would do and then it might see and i check it off as i went along but the beauty of this situation was at the end of the day i would look back and i could see every single thing that i did and it just had the, it gave you this, whether it was real or false sense of productivity yeah. and, and it really helped me feel like I was doing something during a really sick, boring, bad day. And, mm. you know, it comes from, I think my time being an athlete, you know, I always, I always felt that, you know, after, you know, a yoga session or visualization training or meditation or like a massage or like the things that I was doing uh, to help my body, mind and spirit be in line with each other during my athletic mm. career. I brought that into my isolation career, into my survival career, because when the body, mind, and spirit are working in harmony, you know, I was a much better athlete. So, okay, maybe I can take that into what I'm going through now. And I really brought all that. So I did, I worked out my physical, mental, and spiritual fitness pre, post, and during cancer. And I still mm -hmm. take care of myself in that way today. And part of that was mapping out my day. Like, okay, I'll meditate for five minutes. Like I'll work out for five minutes. I'll do emails. I read the paper, all that stuff. Yeah. And it really helped me structure the day. I agree with that, Ethan. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a list guy too. I wouldn't say I'm a huge list guy, but I agree with everything you said. And the reason I agree with that is, and something I encourage people a lot is small victories. Yes. Yes. Dude. Well, yes. Yeah. Small victories, success breeds success. Okay. And a couple of shows ago, we had a, a former Navy SEAL on uh, How Men Think with us. And he said, we were trying to, we were trying to get, we we're talking, the conversation was about getting certainty or control back in an uncertain scenario and who better than a Navy SEAL to speak on it. And he said, the first thing that they're taught is take action in any uncertain scenario, whatever it is, take action you just have to and so in this one it could be making your bed 
could be like, you're taking action. If you write that down on a list, make my bed and you get to check that off. Um, it's a super small victory, but it's a small victory. And then maybe it's the next one. Maybe it's the next one. And then all of a sudden that snowball starts building and people look back and they've been productive. As you say, you have an internal reward because you've achieved, you've been successful at things and that then starts to steamroll and build up. So I agree with you. Small, small victories can lead to, um, lead to a massive amount of momentum. And the other point I absolutely agree with you on, um, I'm a big advocate on it. Gavin is too, but the being physical, working out, having exercise, moving your body. I think in this time, especially when we're, most people are very stagnant, um, it's essential to have some sort of home workout um, in a small space. Can be, like you said, can only be 30 minutes, but something to get your system going. Can you talk about why that was so important for you when you were in isolation? Yeah. And, um, it was so important for me because, you know, I, I grew up as an athlete, so I almost based my, my whole identity was wrapped around yeah. fitness. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you're, you're aware of that. So like when you go through a health challenge and that's taken away from you, you know, I felt I had no control. I was so uncertainty. So the way I was able to kind of map myself and make myself feel like I was up to snuff was working out. And, but yeah, it really, there's a lot of research showing now that some of the medicines I was using during chemo really um, helps when you are physically active and someone who's physically active going through cancer, you're 50% more likely to survive and to stay on your medical treatment plan. So now doctors are starting to prescribe exercise in conjunction with everything else, which is really Mm. exciting to see. it was just really important to me. And you mentioned like, if I don't want to work out for 30 minutes, like it's overwhelming. Um, you know, I'd break that up into multiple workouts throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were mentioning about taking action. There's one of my favorite quotes is to do nothing is also to act. Mm-hmm. So act affirmatively mm-hmm. by making things happen and don't just let them happen to yourself. Yeah. So, you know, working out, it boosts your endorphins. There's a, you know, obviously it's good physical fitness. It's good for anyone. It's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. tried and true over history. Um, and that sure. there's no difference here. And it just took my mind out of the reality of what was going on in, in my current situation. It was just a cathartic distraction of yeah. the fact that I was going through this horrible situation. And um, right. that really helped me remain present at that moment. I also find myself in like, I'm in my best state after I work <clears throat> During working out and after working out, after I'm for, I worked out, I'm mo- my most creative or even during it. Like I have a huge whiteboard in my gym and when I'm working out, I'm like, oh, wow, like just downloads and ideas and concepts come to me while I'm, in the, while I'm not even focusing on that. Um, just because I'm active, I'm, I'm, my energy system is alive. Um, I find I'm right. my most grateful self after like I'm, my gratitude is immense and through the roof after I've worked out, I'm my most creative self. Um, I'm a huge advocate, Gav knows this, I'm a huge advocate of, of wellness and health and fitness and how moving your body um, just elevates the quality of your life. So I agree with you completely on that. Yeah, I mean, movement, make, it makes me feel alive. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when I'm able to work out, I feel like I'm alive. I'm a living human being. Yeah. And for me, that right. was important at that time. Um, and it makes you feel creative. That's another one of the things in my guide is being creative and, you know, you know, working out, you know, sparks some, you know, new thoughts in your mind, you know, same with me as well. That's a place where I think and create, but if that's not your, 
method of creativity, I encourage everyone to try to find something a little bit creative in your life, learn a new skill, because, you know, these, it's a way to spark the brain in a way it might not be, you know, working. Uh, um, it right. once again, distracts you from maybe what's going on right now. And you don't have to go out and like learn some crazy, you know, be a famous artist or learn to play guitar and a, be in a band, buddy, but, or, you know, play hockey like these, but still just to be creative, spark your mind in a different way. Like when I was going through cancer, you know, I would, I did like music therapy. I did art therapy. You know, mm -hmm. I was banging on a freaking drum to Bob Marley and I was made a popsicle stick bird feeder, which like all my receipts are in right now. I don't use it. But the fact that I was in there <laughs> doing it, trying to do sure. something creative, I uh, just, right. it, it helped me spark my mind. And it, it's, there's sure. a definite connection between the arts and healing. And if you look what's going on right now, we're turning to the arts, the musicians, the actors, the actresses, the artists in these times of crisis. Everyone's putting stuff online, free concerts, comedians. That's what the world's gravitating towards, these fringe right. industries and subject matters that are being like cut from schools, PE and music and art classes. That's what the world is turning to right now in times of crisis. So if that's not a perfect example for the work that you do, buddy, like keep doing it. Like we need yeah. people like this in the world because it brings happiness, creativity. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, good point. Do you think? Do you think it's time we should release our duet? I think so. I think so. I just we need to we need to fight over who's going to wear the skirt. <laughs> I think you should both wear the skirt. <laughs> I've been, I'll rock some leader hosen. He's been, we've been doing this show for I don't know about a year, and I've been begging Gavin for a year. <laughs> hey, I heard it. I'm a witness. I heard it here first. It's such yeah. a bad idea. So <laughs> Not if you're in skirts, then it's a good idea. <laughs> you have here on one of your other um, isolation survival guide tactics is to share and connect with others. So what ways did you find were most effective when you were in isolation? And even now in this, what ways do you find that are most effective to share and connect with others? You know, and you, uh, Gavin, you talked a little bit about taking care of your dad and caregiving is a big part of this. And part of that for me is the connecting with others. You know, it's interesting where, you know, often if you're taking care of someone, the thoughts and feelings that someone going through crisis is having are the same as the ones going, you know, taking care of them, if that makes sense. So like heaviness, sadness, anxiety, fear, happiness, like mm -hmm. my whole family was feeling that and I was feeling that we just never talked about it. And so mm -hmm, what right. ended up happening is we kind of just, there was this divide. So like, I'm a huge fan of being open and honest with those around you, erasing all the kind of, um, you know, uh, toxic relationships in your life um, because someone who's going through crisis, you're laser focused on keeping yourself, um, you know, alive. And so those people right. who are caregiving, oftentimes, you know, your personal feelings and emotions towards the person who's sick gets in the way of your making decision. And like mm. fear is something that we can't avoid. Um, and if you let fear dictate your choice, you are powerless. So it's until you harness that fear, and use that as a positive to give you strength to go out and do something as an individual or as a community, that's when some, when change happens. So when I'm connecting with other people, like 
like goes back to like when you're not alone going through a challenge it's it's so comforting it co so comforting it's i don't know if anyone mm -hmm. can understand that but so i would literally i would i would text mm -hmm. people i would call people we'd have little um uh, um, focus groups we'd sit around and just talk about stuff men's groups i was part of a bunch of different men's group i did these things called first descent it was an outdoor adventure camp for young adult cancer survivors we went whitewater rafting and kayaking and rock climbing with other people mm -hmm. who've gone through a similar situation and we could talk and cry and laugh which for yeah. a dude me like i don't know like i I had trouble with that stuff, to be honest. Like I'm not the best communicator in the world and I wanted to do everything myself. And it wasn't until I actually got a little bit vulnerable and asked other people to help me that things mm. that like the doors opened up for me and uh, a lot of my recovery was a lot smoother, to be honest. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny is I, I was on the phone last night with a buddy of mine and I patched in uh, no, it was two nights ago. I patched in my brother, and it it was funny just paying attention to even just phone call wise the difference in the energy level when you get three people talking versus just you know two people talking. You know what I mean? Like it added so much having a third person on the phone call because you know it just it just flowed. It was it was the dead spots weren't there. It was. Always, somebody had something to chime in. You know what I mean? And I thought I hadn't, I hadn't had a three-way uh, phone call, you know, for uh, during the the quarantine until uh, until that. And I was like, oh, we, we should do this again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's funny how just adding another personality, another personality. So uh, this is good. This is good. This is helpful for me. Yeah. I like hearing the uh, the back and forth. Tori, you have a question? Um, okay, so I have a question because we had Dr. Viv on last week, and she's a relationship expert. And I mm -hmm. would like to know, you briefly touched on that you have a girlfriend. Are you guys – oh, your wife. So sorry. Out. Yeah, yeah. How are you guys handling this? Are you used to it, or are you guys seeing struggles that you've never experienced before? Um, like how has this quarantine kind of changed that aspect for you? Basically, she wants to know what's going on in your personal life. And yeah, thank you. Uh, that was everything. That. <laughs> um, Listen, everyone cool. needs the tips right now. <laughs> Good thing I'm sterile because of cancer, so we're not going to have a baby. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, early on, so I met my wife right after my second, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, but right after my second stem cell transplant. So I was incredibly... Mm. Uh, weak, vulnerable. I was an emotional mess, you know, like I was war mm. the worlds going on inside me. And mm. so we went through a tough start of our relationship and we made a choice together to leave New York city, move to the middle of the woods in New Hampshire, like I said. So I feel comfortable in isolation. I don't think I could do it with anyone other than my wife. Uh, but the fact mm. that, uh, you know, we went through that a tough time early on and I was like, I was a mess. I was doing some stupid I was uh, acting out in horrible ways and it wasn't healthy, but mm. we had an open and honest conversation of what our relationship was and where we wanted to go with that. And I remember I was, I was pushing her away because I'm like, you do not want to get involved with this because one, I didn't know if I'd be alive in five years and I didn't want to bring, I didn't have a job. Like I couldn't have kids. I didn't have money. Like you don't want to be in a relationship with me. You do not want to take me home to your mom right now. But she looked at me and she's like, Cancer's taken so much from you. Do not let it take this too. 
Wow. And, yeah. Bless wow. It was at that moment. I'm like, all right. I just, I kind of snapped out of it. I got rid of everything that I wasn't supposed to, that I was doing that I shouldn't be doing. And I focused on my wife and our relationship. So when we moved to the, out of the city here, we are in a pretty good place. Um, we're okay with being each other for an extended period of times. We have a really open and honest conversation with our relationship. And uh, she knows everything about me. Good, mm. bad, ugly, healthy, sick. So um, mm. we're doing all right right now. That's um, great. Good for you. Thank you. Look at yeah. That brings a big smile to Tori. I love it. <laughs> Question, Tori. So, do you think Tori should make her bed uh, because a small victory would help her right now? I think you need a small victory, Tori. Yeah. It's partially. How <laughs> to make made. that damn bed? <laughs> Tori, what about this question? So, what's it like being isolated when you're not in a relationship or you don't have a significant other? Like, is that is how does that weigh on you? Like, I can't meet somebody right now. I'm really looking forward to meeting somebody, but I, I just can't right now. Like, how does that weigh on a person? Yeah, I am someone who always says that I am happy single and I genuinely mean that. Um, but I have realized in this time that I do prioritize things it's made me readjust how I prioritize things because I love to work. But now that I, that's kind of all I'm living for right now, I'm like, oh, it is really important to separate that time and have that person in your life. Like that is an important aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'm necessarily lonely for like one human as I am more just to be with my friends again and live my life a little bit back to normal. Yeah. But I will say it has made me reevaluate. I can't be there for you right now. I'm so sorry. Gosh, Gavin, really needed you. Taking hearts all over the world, Gav. So, uh, so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so I think for me, it's been just reevaluating this time and saying that I do need to be putting myself out there more for when we mm. are in this time. Mm. I'm not thinking, oh, you know, what could have been or what I, I, I don't know. Am I making sense? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, are you, not you, but I feel, and I obviously I'm not like, single and in the dating world but in a weird way i feel like uh the dating world is like it's, it's like a warp speed these days with tinder and people just meeting and all this stuff i almost feel the courting process within a relationship might have been eliminated with all like you know technology and social media and all this stuff like there's a false sense of intimacy with people when you if you text someone for seven days straight a thousand texts you kind of feel like you know them but you only know them for seven days. Um, and so then when you meet them in person, things move a little quicker, especially in like, you know, younger teenagers and uh, college kids. So in my mind, I'm thinking this could be interesting for the whole really getting to know someone yeah. without physically intimate. Right. Um, and I think that's could be a blessing. You know, there's this reality show. I think it's uh, love it. I don't know what it is. They, they talk be between a love wall or something. Love is blind. Love is blind, right? So they really mm -hmm. need to work on the relationship, learn about each other, and then become friends. And then something more intimate could happen after that. But I think that could be a silver lining amongst all this stuff. I could be wrong. I don't know. Is there like big, do you have big frustration, Tori, that like, because maybe for some of our listeners that really are in a good place in their life that we're really looking forward to 2020 and the chance to meet somebody um, is there frustration that that's kind of been like taken away from you? Well, I guess more so where I'm coming from is I was talking to someone, um, this past like few months, uh, well longer, probably like last, since last August. And then it's kind of trailed off just cause my January and February were really big, heavy work 
wise. Yeah. So I kind of put that on the back burner. And now that I'm in this place where I'm like, all I want to do is just talk to someone. That yeah. person's not there. And I should have prioritized that better in the sense of being like, okay, like communicate more of, Hey, I'm working and I'm really busy, mm -hmm. but that does not mean I'm neglecting you. Cause now yeah. we're like not really talking and it's totally fine. Things happen. But for me, I'm like evaluating that in this time of being like, Oh, being still in this time has made me evaluate to put more of an effort of communication in my relationships. Oh, well said Tori. It's amazing. Thanks. I like that. <laughs> um, it's, it goes to like one of the, the next things, um, Ethan, in your isolation survival guide, being present. Yes. Can you talk yeah. about that? I think that's so important. That's something I've been focusing more on. I've been focusing on when I do a task, just do that task. Yes. Or when I'm like here, I'm, I'm in my house in Idaho, my lake house by myself. I don't have the TV on when I eat a meal, you know? So, cause I want to be present and eat this meal and enjoy this meal versus like eating and watching and being half in something. So something I've been working on a lot is being present. Can you speak more to that? Sure. You know, I'm wonderful that you're focusing on that, but you know, we live in a state of constant distraction, you know, and hyperstimulation. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, we're all over, so overstimulized. We're a little desensitized to the world around us. And like being present literally just means kind of paying attention. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of times, you know, we get stuck focusing on the past which is something you can't change. You can yeah. change your relationship with the past, but you can't necessarily mm -hmm. change what's happened. And then we look into the future and obviously we know you can't predict the future. Um, you can have set an intention for the future and hope something happens, but you have no control of, of what's going to happen in the future. So what that leaves is now the current situation of what's going on right now. And what happens is we spend so much time focusing on the past and the future. We miss what's going on right now. Yeah. And when someone's like, life just passed me by, well, that's when you aren't focusing on being present. So like mm -hmm. not being present is really easy. Don't you agree? Like not yeah. being present is easy. Like right now we're talking to each other, but uh, Tori, I don't know where your hands are. I don't know if you're texting or what's going on or what, you know, like, but if you said, okay, I'm just going to sit here and listen to this dude right now, you know, that's being present. Um, so mm -hmm. when I was, you know, going through cancer, even on the TV show Survivor, if I got obsessed with what's happening before or what's going to happen, I just miss what's going on right now. And it's been really helpful for me, especially in these times of uncertainty to, in order to get to the next day, I just focused on today or this minute. And when I was sick, it got down to like minute by minute by minute. Like if I can just mm -hmm. get through this minute, I'll be okay. If I can get through this hour, okay, four hours. And then you build on that and I could uh, start being present and uh, it, it uh, enabled me to make clearer decisions in my life. Yeah. Sorry, by the way, we'll give you a pass because I know you just sent the guy a text. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, we're, we're inspiring change here, guys. Yeah. Trying to be present. Got it. Got it. <laughs> oh, shoot. Wrong number. <laughs> it was. That would be the greatest thing, uh, Danielle and Amy would just absolutely love it. That'd be the greatest thing ever. Um, how about this one, Ethan? Yeah. What are your other things? I'm, I'm really curious because I get this in my inbox every week. Uh, CBD company reaching out to me. Mm. In the sports world, it's become um, very much a thing, especially in the CrossFit world. Athletes are taking it um, for recovery. People say they sleep better with it. 
cannabis and CBD. Um, you have your nature is the world's pharmacy. Can you speak to that a little bit and just enlighten myself and our listeners on how it impacted your life? Sure. I'm curious about it. I'm super yeah. curious about it, but I'm also shy about it. I'm like, I don't know enough about it. I was in the same boat, completely shy. And there's a lot of stigma associated with cannabis, with CBD, especially in athletics. You know, I grew up a competitive soccer player. I stayed away from the stuff. I never tried it. I mean, second semester, my senior year of college, I tried it once just to say I did something crazy, you know, but I was hoping to go on to play after college. And so I never really got into it except when I got sick with cancer. And so I obviously had friends that were participating and I read stories about it helps people with cancer. So, and I was, I was taking a lot of prescription pills that were prescribed like anxiety pills, nausea pills, sleep pills, pain pills, mood pills. And then in the mornings, that was just to get tonight. Then in the morning, I'd have to pop an Adderall just to get enough energy to hit the doctors. Right. So it was this vicious cycle. So I was just looking for alternatives and you know, cannabis is the plant. Um, so I thought that would be a good solution. Uh, however, I, I was like going to the streets of New York City to get my product because no doctor would prescribe it to me at the time and mask, gloves, bald with chemo, talking to a drug dealer that was selling coke and ecstasy and weed too. And I just like, it just added a lot of stress on top of what I was already going through. And it wasn't, an, mm. wasn't a good experience. So then when things came around and started to get a little bit more medically legal, recreational legal in Canada, you know, countrywide now, it's pretty exciting to see. Um, then I just kind of became an advocate for it to, you know, um, to help educate others on safe ways to ingest it and use it, especially if you're going through cancer. And then post-cancer, that's when the CBD really came into play for me because I mentioned the anxiety I was facing and not being able to get through those what if scenarios. And I started taking CBD every day, like a multivitamin as a tincture. I don't smoke anything. I put it underneath my tongue. Um, and for me, that just, it got rid of like the clutter in my head, maybe take a, like able to take a deep breath. Mm. And I was able to focus on some other things when before I was just focusing on like destructive thoughts in my own head. Wow. Um, and just there are a lot of beneficial properties that you can read about. I don't want to get on my soapbox, <laughs> but uh, it's helped me a lot. Um, I it's from the earth, uh, and it helped me so much that I I you know invested in a uh, a hemp farm in Vermont. Yeah. And, uh, so because I wanted to know what I'm putting inside my body, so I moved up there. I planted, I harvested, I processed, I bottled, I did everything from seed to sale because if I was mm. going to put this junk inside my body, I wanted to know what was happening. And Mont how it works. Right? Mont Kush. It means happy mountain. Yeah. yeah. The guy that owns the farm, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are late night infomercial watchers, but this guy by the name of Anthony Sullivan, he's the OxyClean guy. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm Anthony Sullivan, and this is OxyClean. So yeah, um, yeah. his daughter was having some genetic disorders or has a genetic disorder and had horrible epileptic seizures. So he started giving her CBD. And it changed her life, changed his life. And I'm buddies with him. And he told me he's going to buy this farm to grow the stuff to put it in his daughter's body. And I'm like, I want in on that. Because if you're willing to do that for your daughter, then I want the same stuff that I can use as well. And just uh, awesome, good experience. Um, right. That's awesome. And then the last one that you have, I've been dying to get to this one because I'm such a fan of this. And um, and the the way it really positively impacts a person's life is laugh yeah you have like it's such a beautiful word 
um, you have laughter on here as the last one of your isolation survival guide tactics. Um, everybody loves to laugh. I know listeners, everybody is like, yeah, obviously laughing, but speak truly to the importance of laughter, especially during crisis. If you definitely, you know, la- I mean, I don't need to tell everyone what it means to laugh. However, you know, I'm a, a neurotic Jewish guy that uh, likes to be playfully negative about, you know, big situations. So I always kind of took a, a comedic outlet to, you know, things that aren't necessarily the greatest things in life. And I found that was a really good way for me to just find a common ground amongst people to talk about serious subjects. Like I'm going through cancer. I could be dying here, but like if we can laugh about it and we can poke fun at ourselves and it really just lightens the mood. It obviously creates this, uh, uh, probably some scientific effect in your body. I don't have the answer for that, but it just makes you feel better. It lightens the mood. And there's been, there was nothing more important for me than to laugh with my friends, watch a movie, hang out with my, my family and just tell old stories of what, you know, life was like when we were young and laughing. So for me, it's a huge part of what I do. Read books, dirty joke books I would get all the time because they just make me laugh. Stupid stuff. Just because it's, it's, makes you focus away from what's really going on yeah. and for me it was a really healing you know i even did one of those um i went to bali when i was sick after i was sick i went to bali and i did some really crazy um past <laughs> life regression i had some like woman spit on me in the basement i was eating crazy foods i went to a healer but one of them what i did the laughing yoga i don't know if anyone's done laughing yoga but uh, it was- i've done something yeah. like it I don't know if it was weird. I'm sounding hippy dippy. That's not my normal like path in life, but I wanted to try everything. Why not? Like, you know, I want to figure out something to help me heal. And you sit in a room and you, you force yourself to laugh. <laughs> you feel ridiculous and you're looking around at everyone because you're just forcing yourself to laugh. But in the end, it's just like this release and you're like, all right, that was okay. And you're happy. You got, you know, you're faking it till you make it. You're smiling. You're laughing. It was a neat experience. So I, I highly suggest everyone to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation so you're forced to grow as you respond to this new challenge of laughing dude i've done it i know what you're talking about i've done it and it's like it's exactly what you say you, you fake it till you make it you're like what the hell am i like gavin's looking at us like we got three heads he's like oh, idiot. <laughs> but it is uh sometimes you just gotta say what the hell you know like whatever for the next half hour let me just try this who the hell knows what comes from it but I surrender to yeah. the process and maybe I hate it, but maybe I get something out of it. But exactly. Um, but I, I love like laughter is so important. Yeah. What's your perspective on laughter and how has that helped you? Like uh, when I think about laughter, Gav, you remember when we went to Tori, remember when we went to Pebble beach, you know, it was like yeah. you know, two months ago we went to Pebble beach and we were there for maybe 72 hours and we left, <laughs> we recorded two or three shows there. And we, when we were all leaving, we were like, we, I don't know if we've laughed that hard in like years, like all week long or all weekend long, we just laughed, man. And it was just, it was so healing. And it was, it's also so, it, it kind of just takes the pressure off life. You know, you kind of just, your shoulders soften, you kind of just chill, you know, you see people more clearly, you see the beauty in people. You're not as nervous about yourself or like laughter is such a medicine. It's um, contagious too. Contagious. And I also think, I also think like 
at this time, we have to practice the things that we're fighting for, that we want in our life moving forward. And we've talked about it on this show, like, and I've talked about it with friends. I'm like, now is not the time to stop dreaming mm. or stop mm. laughing or stop creating. I agree. You know, like, like, otherwise, what are we fighting for? Why do we want to heal this and, and overcome this virus to then, like, those are the things that we're fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and laughter is one of them and music is one of them. I've also, I've also read an amazing article on how early explorers, the first people to visit Antarctica, I think was 1913, 1910 or 1913. Mm-hmm. And they documented how they dealt with the isolation. Mm-hmm. And laughter and music were two of the things. And then cooking was another one because they just had the same kind of canned food. They would try and find a way to make it differently which is a form of art itself or creativity, as you said, your, your isolation. Um, but it was, it was laughter and it was music and it was some sort of creativity and they did it with food. Mm. And so mm. laughter, man, laughter just heals my soul. It inspires me. It's why I love doing the show with Gavin. It's why I love Tori and Amy and Neil <laughs> is because we have so much fun. Like one, I want to do something that serves and impacts our community. But two, I come because it's so much fun to do these shows. You know, well, Ethan, right now, guys, I hope you know that I'm laughing. I'm smiling. This yeah, is yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, I guess yeah. the obvious question yeah, is, what do laughing. you make a laughing weed? Ooh, do I make a laughing weed? I think a lot of them have that in it. <laughs> um, but there are some that um, evoke a more uh, euphoric laughter in them. Yes. Mm. I don't have a name of them, but I think maybe we should uh, talk about it offline. We can start growing right, right? now. Tori, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Ethan, if you have one, send us on. Do it. I want to see our producer, Amy. I have whatever you need, but I'm not, I mean. Um, <laughs> you can edit that part out. Exactly. <laughs> so much for your time. You for... He's like, look. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, you're awesome. See, do, do you see everything behind me? This is just yeah. catalog. Freaking weed. Labels down for a sec. Hey? Um, thank you for your time, buddy. I want to also bring, bring, um, allow you to talk about and bring some awareness uh, to grassroots soccer. Can you? Yeah. I love that mission that you started after you won Survivor. Can you tell us a little bit about what grassroots soccer is and and your mission with that? Sure. Before Survivor, the TV show, like I said, I played in Africa and uh, one of my closest friends got sick with AIDS. Um, And so, you know, grassroots soccer, you know, we basically the concept is we train professional soccer players, professional coaches and peer leaders in the community with a curriculum we developed on HIV and AIDS and adolescent health. And then we send them into the classrooms to deliver these health interventions or the soccer fields or the churches. And, you know, what we found is that it's not only the the message that we're delivering, it's the messenger, the people that are actually delivering this important information. And we Mm -hmm. found that, you know, role models uh, help change the behaviors of young boys and girls. And Mm -hmm. so that's a basic concept is we have a bunch of really fun um, game-based activities that help uh, disseminate information about making smart choices in life. And that's, you know, sex education, how HIV and AIDS mm. is spread, female empowerment, female reproductive health, um, you know, all, a whole list of things that we do. And um, yeah, it's been really successful. Pretty excited about it. Great. And, uh, yeah, it's my passion in life. Good for you. Um, I have two more questions I want to ask you. Sure. How is Survivor? 
<laughs> like, just give, give us the lowdown on what it's like truthfully being on the show. It is, I think, the one of the most amazing games in the world. And it is a game because it's something that really touches on every single part of you as a human being, mental, physical, social, spiritual, environmental, financial. And here's a game where you're put in a situation where you got to make friends with these people, but friendships based on trust and you can't trust anyone. And then the way the game works is every person you vote off, they're the ones that come back and they decide if they want to vote for you to win the grand prize of a million bucks. So like you don't, you only not only have to play this game, you have to play it so where you vote them off in such a way that they like you enough or respect you enough that when they come back, they want you to win. And so it's just a really good, stressful, fun, exciting game. Um, and it's something that, uh, like, I, you know, as an athlete, I just thrived off those pressure situations. And it's just something I, I love. And uh, I played in 2001 in Africa, and I played in 2004, which was the All-Stars. And now I'm playing again now, which is season 40, yeah. Winter of War. Um, where they asked back 20 of the most popular winners of all time to compete again, not for one, but for $2 million. Incredible. Um, Amazing. So if you guys ever want to, are you guys Canadian citizens or are you American citizens? Canadian citizens. U.S. Oh, U.S., U.S. All right, well, you can play if you want. I can get you on the show, man. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. 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 Yes. I don't know. Do you want to lose $2 million? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure what was your first like what what toy or treat what did you treat yourself with after you won the million dollars what was your like Ooh, i want to get this oh, well i mean it's not gonna be as exciting. i bought both my brother's cars uh took my mom away on vacation but for me my it was it's gonna sound weird it was those uh bose noise reduction headphones noise canceling headphones so you could hear yeah. gavin Groth more clearly <laughs> I wish I had them on now. Ridiculous. <laughs> Just wait till our duet comes out. You know, so bad. I can't wait. Ones, Ethan. You don't, you'll really want to catch my voice crisp and clear. Um, have you ever, have you ever tried to sing in public? Myself? Oh, God. Yeah. No, I love singing, man. I've told Gavin this. Like, If I could magically acquire, I have such a, I have such a respect for artists, people that can play instruments, but singing like and dancing and like i have such respect for it and if there's one skill in the world that i could magically acquire it would probably be to be able to sing like i'm in the same I, boat I, I love watching gav perform um you know just yeah i i just have i'm a thank you of the art um you also have a children's book man you also have a children's book soccer yeah. world South africa yeah i think i have it right around here too it's uh it's about kids who get high and play sports together <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, so here's the book right here. But yeah, I wrote three of actually this is what I did when I was in isolation. This is my creative outlet. So I wrote three books. Um Soccer World South Africa, Soccer World Mexico, and Soccer World Spain. And uh that's kind of what kept me busy writing these books. They're activity books for kids. Um see the world through soccer, because that's what I did when I was um growing up. That's amazing. Great. So in a, in a time of isolation, your isolation survival guide, one of it was creativity. You wrote a children's book and this soccer mm. world South Africa became the number one children's book on amazon.com. It did for a short that's time. Amazing. Like yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Like it goes back to what you're referencing early, Ethan earlier, like everything is an opportunity. 
yeah. you know, for those that see yeah. it like this time, like everything is an opportunity. I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what is birthed or being birthed at this moment in time. What's going to come out in six months or in a year, you know, like a lot of, of coronial babies yeah. too. Yeah. Coronial. <laughs> now I also want to make note, like, yeah, it's, it's creative and everyone is like, um, almost like rushing to be productive and rushing to do something incredible during this time of crisis, which I, which I applaud. And I think it's great, but there's also something to be said. It's okay to just survive something and get through it. That's okay too. You know, and I feel that because of the way the world's working and the interconnectedness is everyone, everyone feels this pressure to be productive and take a mm. class online and learn a new skill. And I I'm saying the same thing to you. I've done it over the past hour, but it's also yeah. okay to just survive and get through this. Yeah, That's enough, you know, um, so don't have this guilt of you're not doing enough or, or you're being unproductive or anything. Like the skills that I was telling you about, those are skills that I used to help me get through that. And it worked out mm. well for me, but it, I would have been okay just if I got through and stayed alive and did nothing. You know, that's okay too. You yeah. need to take care of yourself and what makes sense for yourself as well. Yep. Awesome, brother. Man, I love your mission, dude. Um, for our listeners who want to follow more, you get more of what you're doing. Where can they find you? Where do you hang out most on social? Where can they find you the most? Hang out most on uh, Instagram at Ethan Zahn. I got a website, ethanzahn.com. And uh, yeah, you can always visit if you want to explore the CBD world, you can visit moncush.com. And uh, I got a 50% off code if I'm allowed to say it, Survivor50, type that in. Yep. Uh, anything you want, 50% off. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks for giving Great. that community, man, and especially in this time. Um, dude, you're amazing. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I hope Gavin gets on, on Winners of War. I do too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see you and Gav go head to head on season 40 of survivor winners at war. Um, but I'm here's another one last question. So how do you play that game? Like the word that came to mind, cause you, you need to kick these people off, but then have them vote for you. Mm. The word that came to mind for me was like integrity. If you're a human of integrity, like they'll see that in you and they'll want to vote for you. What, how do you play that game that walk that subtle dance between kicking somebody off but also having them want to side with you i am not going to share it because you're competing for another two <laughs> well, it's already been filmed so we're, we're okay with that uh but what you said in, integrity like the word integrity it stems from integral and integral means like bringing things together in a positive way the opposite of integrity is dis dis disintegrity like disintegrate so when things fall yeah. apart so yes i made myself a crucial member of the community out there crucial to everyone else's survival so without me they would have struggled even more first one up in the morning last to go to bed got the food got the water supported after a win consoled them after a loss and i ended up kind of positioning myself like the assistant coach out there everyone hates the head coach everyone loves the assistant yeah. right yeah, you so know the head coach would complain to me about everyone else. All the players would complain to me about the head coach. And I just filtered that information and spit it out how I wanted it to, to get me ahead in the game. Yeah, and it worked right. So what are you going to do now that they know that your strategy? Uh, I'm going to have to align with you and we're going to blindside them. And then, you know, that's what we're going to do. There it is. So I have a question. What percentage of it is you being able to work your political angle, essentially, your hum, hu, your human angle, versus your the uh, 
physical versus political, essentially. Mm -hmm. which, which is the percentage of which? I, the way the game is played now, it's more of a strategic mental game. Your physical prowess doesn't matter as much as it once did way back in the day where um so the game's kind of shifted a little bit where like you can't necessarily be too strong anymore before being strong and winning challenges was an asset now it's looked like a negative thing because people are like why why does it look like a negative thing people got soft right that's what's going on people got a little soft yeah people got way too soft way too now bad. yeah they give them They're ruining the game yes yeah, see we need you out there you're old, old you're ruining the game that's right. They got to put the competition back in competition. Agree. When does it? When does uh, Winners at War air? So it's airing currently. Uh, we're it's on Wednesday nights. CBS, eight PM. I think we're on episode nine or ten right now. There's thirteen episodes. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah. Okay. I can give you my uh, my CBS All Access pass, and I, you can go binge watch me for the past. Awesome. Eight last last question for everybody, and then we'll let you go because this has been a long one. What's everybody binge watching right now? What am I? Well, we are binge watching. We did Ozarks. We did the Tiger King. Uh, um, I do. I happen to watch some of the like Project Run Runway type shows and Top Chef. Uh -huh. and okay. I like that, you know. Yeah. Um, I, so that's where I'm. That's where my I watched. I, oh, Gavin, you're like this. There's a new form of the Bachelor, Bachelorette. Yeah. Basically, they take two single people, and then they make them sing songs together, and hopefully they. Oh fall. no. Yeah. What's it called? Um. Um. Right up my alley. Yeah. Listen right to your heart. Alley. Listen to your heart. That's what it's Listen called. To your heart. Yes. yes. Yeah. I watched, I watched it too. That. Um, yeah, I got a, I got a, uh, I got a phone call for for that. that I'll time. get you on that one too. Did man. you really? Alley show. I'll get you on it. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not up to snuff for something like that. I don't you think. Should have been on. Not that. right now. Not right now. I don't you... think uh, looking for love and singing a duet together is what what what. Uh, it's not my version of a love story. You know what I mean? I think. Find... Although I think it's a great idea. Do you find if you are have a singing partner, there's a little bit more of a connection or intimacy where you could fall in love easier, or it's just it's singing's one thing, love's another thing, and they don't mix? Um, well, it could be. I mean, it could be a chemical thing there, but I think in the age of COVID, you wouldn't be able to sing to each other anymore because you'd be thinking, I think I got some of that in my eyes just now. And... <laughs> Uh, maybe we should be doing this. <laughs> I feel an infection coming on. Right. It doesn't sound good to sing in a mask, does it? Uh, no, it's not as good. <laughs> Ethan, man, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, going to tune in and watch how uh, Winter at Wars finishes yeah. off. Um, and anyway, we, we'd love to have you back on the show. Anyway, we can support your mission, my friend. Please reach out. Um, best of luck to you. Thank you for serving our community and just appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Thank Cheers. you. Till next week, take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here for another episode of How Men Think. See you.